On this week's Grades the Rim, we are talking the Phoenix Suns. With the second best record in the NBA, are they being overlooked in the title conversation? We talk Phoenix and look at how they and the other teams atop the West will be looking to end the regular season. Then, we revisit ESPN's ranking of the top 25 players under 25 in a new segment that you can help us name. We also bring back Pique My Interest to talk a couple young guys you should be watching out for. And we close, as always, with Splasher Pass. Let's get it. back we are live welcome to the graze the rim podcast this is an nba podcast hosted by two former teammates and if you misheard what i said and heard podcast hosted by two former nba teammates i am not going to correct you uh, i i am robbie thomas joined by said teammate seth curran what's going on seth this is so this is the week of 413 was april 13th and we are recording late at night right now this is a Tuesday night. Usually we record in the afternoon. It is a late night episode for us, after hours. This ain't your grandma's podcast. It's getting crazy. The kids are in bed, late night. Ooh, how about this, Seth? What about like an, an after hours, late night podcast for the ladies? How do you feel about Ooh. that? Ooh, uh, for the ladies. That's right. Oh, shot out of a cannon. Who's the best looking NBA player right now? Oh, I have to think about it. It's got to be Kelly Oubre. I was. <laughs> do you know what I was thinking? So a lot of people find uh, athleticness attractive, right? Like oh, it's a positive yeah. feature for yeah. a lot of people. And when I think of under that context, watching Kelly Oubre sometimes, he doesn't necessarily check that box. <laughs> watching him, some of the uh, shooting performances or some of the efficiency that he puts up sometimes, this year especially. But yeah, that's that was true. That was the first name that popped into my head. Uh, Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward too. Oh, he does. He cleaned up. He he, he had the glow up. He definitely his, did. His, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, okay, good, ladies. That was for you. Now, now, men. This is for you. <laughs> Just think about the the connotation of what that means. You know what I mean? Uh, but for all right, for the men um, and maybe ladies. We don't know. That's true. All right, Seth. This week of NBA news, there's some good news, there's some sad news, and there's some stay tuned news. Now, I'm assuming you know what the sad news is going to be. I feel like you're trying to trick me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on to you. When I no, think of the sad no news, trick. I think of no the, injury, the, inj- yes. <laughs> the injuries that have occurred. Yes, that's what I was referring to. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to break them down? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, we lost uh, James Wiseman for the year to a torn meniscus just the other night, going up to to catch a lob, landed, twisted on the knee, torn meniscus, out for the year. Then just last night, we lost Jamal Murray to a torn ACL. He's you know he's also out for the year, which is just really unfortunate for that Nuggets team that was surging right now. And then I, I wanted to clear up, we had talked on a previous podcast about the Al Horford thing, how he was just kind of sitting out. Yeah. And as I was going through some of the, like the injury reports, the official, this was an official NBA-wide injury report. Okay, yeah. Yeah. With time time frame and reason, and for Al Horford, it, it just said out for the regular season, coach's decision. And I'm not—I don't know how that works. <laughs> like, wow, 
There's not even an injury that they can that's, point yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just he's. That's so funny that they. I mean, it's even like we we talked about why the the Thunder allowed to bench Al Horford. And historically, the NBA has not let you just not play players for the reason of tanking, as long as they're healthy. And and they're just not only are they like ignoring that, but they are spitting in the face of that by yeah. officially designating <laughs> him as he's not playing because no. we don't want him to play because he'll help us win. Couldn't even make up an injury. Couldn't even. <laughs> yeah, you just back soreness. I mean, he's old. Yeah, you know what that yeah. happens. Stuff. Achy knees. Yeah, but the uh, the Jamal Murray injury was tough. I don't. I've said this before. I'm. I don't like watching the squeamish things. Yeah. And so I usually like, like if oh terrible injury prayers up. I don't watch it. Like I, I've never seen the when Paul George like broke his leg at the team oh, USA. Yeah. I've never seen it. I didn't want to watch it. But I I saw this. I didn't mean to. I saw this, and it was one of those that, like, as he's walking off, like, oh, that's that's a real injury. Yeah. You know, like you, it, I don't think I don't think anybody was optimistic after, um, you know, watching him. Not really the injury, but how he reacted to it, his how he went down, and writhing on pain yeah, on the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's tough to, yeah, that's that a real, tough to that's watch. a real injury. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the bad news. Sad. I like I've said I was drinking the Nuggets Kool Aid. Mm-hmm. And so this was like when we were doing notes. I was actually doing notes for the podcast, and I had, I guess we'll mention the intro that we're going to talk about the West contenders a bit. I had done every contender but the Nuggets, and I was real excited to start getting into stats for the Nuggets. <laughs> and then Jamal, you know, he gets injured. <laughs> Throw him out. Yep, exactly. So I guess that's good. I didn't do all the research, and then doesn't matter. But I was sad because the the tone of my Nuggets content changed dramatically. Yeah. Uh, so All that's the, that's All the optimism. that's the sad news, Seth. Do, do you want to hear the good news or the stay tuned news first? Give me the stay tuned news. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you the good news first. Okay. That's not as Perfect. exciting. Playoffs are coming up. That's it. That's the good oh, news. Like a, it was a, a month out. The playing game, yeah, like a month from yesterday. Cool. That's exciting. Something like that. Something like that yeah. It's in the air. The the playoff urgency is, and I'm excited for it. As you know, the first podcast. So what am I staying tuned playoff for? season? Oh, what? Yeah. So that's exciting. Stay tuned. Yes. Well, uh, first, I want to congratulate the Timberwolves. We are not a believer in losses on this podcast. We don't believe in losing. We are a wins and yeah. lessons podcast. That you, Absolutely. you win or you learn something. So I want to congratulate the Timberwolves, the first team this year to reach forty lessons. That is forty losses <sighs> if we believed in them. But the real They're congratulations They're is scholars. <laughs> They are well first. That's right. The real congratulations is the Timberwolves were purchased. The very um, historically unpopular owner Glenn Taylor has. I think it's 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 not like inked. You know, it's like a uh, handshake agreement. You know, what's right? That that's pre-sale agreement to eventually that to Alex Rodriguez and some other billionaire. That they was the, his friend. That they'll start. Friend. <laughs> they'll be minority owners, and then like within the next three or four years, they'll fold into majority ownership. Is that right? Isn't that yeah, how I understand it's it? Like, it's like two and a half years of kind of learning on how the business works. Lessons. Basically. Lessons. Yes. Um, so <laughs> for everyone involved. Exactly. So the stay tuned, Seth, is what I found interesting was the you know part of the articles. One of the articles that were coming out was that. A lot of the, the articles were vocal that there were no plans to move the Timberwolves. Like yes. the 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 purchase was made with the understanding that the team would not be moved. But when I did a little little research into it, all of those promises were made by Glenn Taylor. Yes, that the team would not be moved. So what he said here's the quote that he says: 
They will keep the team here, yes. We will put it in the agreement. At this point, we have a letter of intent. But when we make up the contract, we'll put that in there. That's no problem. That won't be a problem. This article that I read about it says, and so it's no doubt Rodriguez and uh, Lore is the last name of said billionaire. No doubt the new buyers will say they have no plans to move the team. They ask legal experts about putting a no move clause into a sale agreement, and they it's were not told not enforceable. That's the thing that the language it's and the, the lawyers quote would be tricky to enforce and would have to avoid yeah. being overly punitive in the case of a move for it to hold up in court. So basically, <laughs> if they want to get out of it, they can get out of it. And the Timberwolves right now have a contract with is it the Target Center? Yep, is that the arena? They have a, tim- a contract with the Target Center, but the buyout is around fifty million dollars. And since you just put $1.5 billion into buying yeah. the team, yeah. an extra $50 million doesn't sound absurdly crazy. And right. so, you know, like I said, there's been no word, there's no indication they would move the team. But they also haven't come out and said they wouldn't. Like, like they haven't been quick to dismiss those those rumors or those questions. Which is just, it's a state, like I said, it's a stay tuned. So. Yeah. I like Seattle. Here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the yeah, the Timberwolves are they they might not even be a top three franchise in their city in terms of success. <laughs> you know they they don't have a ton of history. They're a relatively new franchise. They don't have a lot of historical success. And I don't like 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 you said Seattle. The qu- the question of Seattle's the best bet for a new NBA team, but there's not like a city that's a glaring. It's not like you know the major league movie where it's like oh we want to buy the team so we can move them here. There's no city like that yeah. that checks all the boxes. But, you know, between all this, the the lack of success tying the Timberwolves to Minnesota, not to mention Seth, we don't, I don't want to get political, but with all the political unrest in the city of Minnesota, as a new yeah. owner, you know, it's just a little more unease, a yeah. little more question, like, maybe we should pull the trigger on being anywhere else but here. So, yeah, that the, is the, the my The league's going to go to expansion here soon. And, you know, Seattle's going to get it. Seattle's definitely going to get a yeah, team when they sure. expand. Yeah, so I'm saying they just they just move Minnesota to Seattle. Timberwolves out in Seattle and bring a whole new franchise to Minnesota. Mm, okay, uh, and kind of clean slate, start fresh. They could get rid use of all that, that yeah. horrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. The horrible Timberwolves. They have history. to. So you, they'll the Timberwolves will go to Seattle, but they have to take the history of the franchise. Exactly. Like they can change this new franchise. That's the thing. Is, is yeah, they can change the name when they move it to Seattle, but Minnesota cannot keep the franchise. They can't keep the aura of the old franchise. That's right. part of the deal. <laughs> so I mean, Perfect. I mean, that is a. I am as somebody with no stake in it. I am very curious to see how it plays out. I'll just say it's cool to have. It's nice to have like a cool, well-known owner, though. That's true. You have a name. You have a like name. A Rod yeah. owns the Timberwolves. That is really cool. Yeah. Actually, and speaking of, thank you to the Timberwolves for. Because of the uh, political unrest that's been happening this week, political unrest sounds like they're going to overthrow the government. Civil unrest. Yeah, there um, we go. They postponed the Nets-Timberwolves game from yesterday mm-hmm. to today. They played this afternoon. And I want to say thank you, Timberwolves, because now the Nets, their most important regular season game this year is now tomorrow, Wednesday. So it officially makes the second leg of a back-to-back, which means Kevin Durant isn't playing in it. So the Nets play the Philadelphia 76ers tomorrow. They're tied for first in the East, and they have split the series so far. So whoever wins oh, this game, so they need that one. Wins the tiebreaker. That's exactly right. Yeah. So no, Kevin. Durant, well, Kevin Durant played. I was surprised. I thought he wouldn't play 
today so we could play tomorrow versus 76ers. But Durant played today against the Timberwolves. So, like, they haven't said they're going to – he's still on a minutes restriction. He's still not playing back-to-backs as far as I've heard. So he probably won't be playing. No James Harden. Who knows where Kyrie is. So it it's <laughs> it's setting up really well for the 76ers to win the game and take a little lead in the race for the one seed. Yeah, I will say today was pretty much just a walkthrough for Kevin Durant. I mean, they won by 30. So he got fresh lakes for tomorrow. <laughs> we played – I mean, I looked, he played 27 minutes, which is not an insignificant amount of minutes for somebody on no, a especially coming back, yeah. 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 So let's go six. Plus he's traveling. You have to travel. It's a back-to-back with traveling, which is just, you know, less rest. So stay tuned for that also. That's right. <laughs> That's a much shorter <laughs> stay tuned than will the Timberwolves be moved in the next 10 years. Uh, all right, so ready to get to some games. Yeah. All right, so some games from the week. The Suns and the Jazz played. This was a Suns 117-113 win. Huge win for the Suns. Uh, it was a pretty exciting game. Donovan Mitchell hit a late three to send it to overtime. Uh, but that, that feeling of joy was quickly put to rest when he missed a crucial free throw mm-hmm. in overtime. Mm-hmm. And Chris, Chris Paul being Chris, Chris Paul yeah. snuck up for the high five. It was hilarious. That was so funny. Donovan yeah. Mitchell just like, he didn't want to reciprocate this. He dodged like he was playing tag as a little kid and just completely got out of the way yep. of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a huge win for the Suns in my eyes just to prove that they aren't, you know, that they are a contender out in the West. It it did yeah it felt like a playoff game this that definitely had that energy intensity what I gleaned from this game that's a big word huh what I trying to find another synonym nothing came to me uh, <laughs> just the Chris Paul is I mean you know Devin Booker is the, the leading scorer he's the number one offensive option but Chris Paul it's his team already you know he walks oh, in and it's his team yeah. like he is. I mean, I mean, he's. I think Charles Barkley said he's the smartest player in NBA history, and it's. I mean, he just he just always like seems to make the right play, be in the right spot, mm-hmm. and it's got to be so valuable to a team to have a guy like that that's just you know in the huddles, in the locker room, you know, every time like he, I, I just I, I really like Chris Paul. I would hate to play against him. Oh, he's 100%. one of those guys, you know. But um, it is it is his team, and what was the other thing? Oh, uh, DeAndre Ayton. For me, he's the biggest question mark in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. They have a lot of experience in the playoffs, but he's the youngest guy. He's kind of been very patiently brought along over the last couple of years. He had a really nice game, especially going against Rudy Gobert, mm-hmm. which has got to be great to see that he can make. I mean, he had like, I think he had like seven or eight offensive rebounds in this game. You know, to be able to make big plays against the best defensive big man in the league has to, you know, be confident, confidence building for. Yeah, Suns fans. Definitely. And then Oh, oh, the vi- sorry. Oh, go one no, more no, jazz. Go off. I forgot one more <laughs> jazz. Uh Jordan Clarkson has been struggling. Yeah. And the jazz are <laughs> yeah. worse off for it. He is in the last month, he has been uh he shot thirty six percent from two point, thirty percent from three point range. So And I that's think- what he does. Like it's just a gunner. He shoots, yeah. Right? Yeah. So in the last month, 15 points per game on 15 shots. So he has, <laughs> Not ideal. Not ideal. And he, if he didn't have such a stranglehold over the sixth man of the year going into like the All-Star break, I think there would be other names creeping up. But yeah, yeah. it's still very much his award to win. <laughs> I, I just I, – I would kill to have a green – a light that green, you know, when I would have played. <laughs> <laughs> just shoot it whenever you want, no matter yeah, you how mean, you shot. You just come in and shoot. Yeah. Like, that's your role. Yeah. Okay. The very next night, Suns played the Clippers. 
Uh, so back to back for the Suns, the yeah, Clippers tough. win. Like it was at yeah. LA, right? So they had to yeah. go from Phoenix to LA. Yeah. And um, Clippers won one thirteen, one one oh three. And I just want to say, every time Rondo and Chris Paul play each other, it should be on national television. I've never seen a player, Rondo, so fueled by spite and pettiness. Like every time he plays against Chris Paul, he's gonna have the best game of of the season. Uh, they have a long history of hatred, and it boiled over back in twenty eighteen. Rondo was in L.A. For the, for the Lakers, and Chris Paul was in Houston, and it led to Chris Paul allegedly spitting on Rondo and Rondo throwing a punch at Chris Paul's head. Now, the funny thing about this little fight was that it wasn't even started by them. They were kind of like off to the side. Well, it was because Brandon Ingram just shoved James Harden out of the way. Um, but anyway, in this game, playoff Rondo came out a little prematurely, 15 points and 9 assists including a three of four from three and a dagger three to put the game out of reach. 19 minutes plus 24. Single game plus minus doesn't matter, but I love bringing it up. Yep. And then in a post-game interview, it was, I can't remember what the question was, but Rondo referred to Chris Paul as number three on the other team, which is fantastic. <laughs> Very petty. <laughs> yeah, yeah I wouldn't, I'm not going to read too much into this. The Suns, the back-to-back. No, not Especially at all. Especially with like the high energy overtime game they played the night before. They like said Rondo. This is why they got Rondo was for for him to play like this. I mean, yeah. he's not going to play this well consistently. <laughs> but but um, if he if he's you know ninety percent of this consistently, then watch out. Yeah. Other games: Celtics beat the Nuggets one of five eighty seven, and this was this was unreal. I never. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I posted on Twitter, Robbie. I think the day before. If we could declare the Celtics dead, they were down 39 to 25 at the end of the first quarter against the Timberwolves. Uh, obviously, the Timberwolves are still the Timberwolves, and they they end up losing that game. Yep. Um, but in this game, they rose from the dead again and just buried the Nuggets. They outscored the Nuggets 31 to eight in the fourth quarter, including a 31 to three run at one point, and the game ended on a 40 to eight run for the Celtics. Uh, just an all time collapse from the Nuggets, who had just who had been on fire lately too. That was what this is. This was a way come down to earth game for yeah. the Nuggets. I mean, eight points in the fourth quarter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> abysmal. Now, there was no Jamal Murray in this game, but when you have the MVP, that's unacceptable. Yeah, for sure. I don't have it. That was it. Oh, yeah. That's all I had. <laughs> okay, point. yeah, yeah. Um, last one here Lakers, Nets. Uh, Lakers win 126, 101. This game means absolutely nothing for either team. Very entertaining, nonetheless. So, we're going to talk about it. Like you said, Means nothing. Don't read into it, but I'm going to read into it. Here we go. Um, so, first of all, for the Nets, DeAndre Jordan is out of the rotation. MIA. Lamarcus yeah. Aldridge has been starting. This that, this was the fifth straight game DeAndre Jordan had a DNPCD, did not play because of coach's decision, that he's mm-hmm. just he's just been benched. And so Lamarcus Aldridge is starting, and holy cow, is he bad defensively. It's hard to watch. Andre, so Andre Drummond, I, I still don't love the fit for the Lakers, but holy cow, did he look good against Marcus Aldridge's defensive? Yes. I, I, it's just he's Marcus Aldridge is not strong. Like he's he's big, but he's just he doesn't use his weight that well. He's not strong, mm-hmm. and he's so slow footed. He's not a good post yeah. defender. He can't switch. He's just he is a absolute liability defensively. And Andre Drummond really showed that. So, like I said, Andre Drummond, I don't love the fit. He likes to dribble too much. He likes to face oh up. He likes to be involved on the ball in the offense. We just need somebody to screen and roll, screen and dive, catch lobs, be in the dunker spot. I, there was a play where I think it was Schroeder. It might have been um, 
KCP. Drove baseline. Uh, Drummond's man came to help. They lobbed it up for Drummond, and he jumped, caught it, came down with it, and then dunked. It's like what, like, like yeah, yeah. catching lobs is the best part of being a big man. I'm sure. So why are you not ready for a lob when you're like? Uh, it's just all like the that. love for Andre Drummond. Like what the people were saying, his game is it. It isn't. It's it, it is not that at all. Yeah, he's not the vertical rim runner catch lobs. That's that's not what he is. Yeah. Um, he is a throw his weight around in the, like you said, he doesn't use it well. He just kind of tosses it around yeah. his weight. Yeah. Um, and he loves shooting with his left hand for some reason and he's <laughs> horrible at it. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of, I've kind of been infuriated watching him, but in this game, man, he looked great just That's, because of the matchup. Yeah. I do. I still, before I totally cast judgment on Drummond, I need to see how he is when LeBron and Adi are back. Yeah. And so that's Lakers. For the Nets, I don't know why Claxton isn't playing 35 minutes a game. Man, he he's is, good. He is so good compared to LaMarcus Aldridge. And I that mean, motor just goes and goes. He's he's great. Like, like he is what you want out of a young center is that he's he's active. He's versatile. He runs the floor. He's he's good enough switching on the, you know, onto the perimeter. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he, he should be starting. LaMarcus Aldridge should be like a gadget guy. They should just... The backup center by committee, depending on who they're playing, it should be Claxton, you know, playing majority minutes, in, closing games. Yeah, Lamarcus Aldridge should be where Marcus All is right now, <laughs> like the break in case of emergency. Yeah, that's good. I do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, if these if these two teams do face off in the in the finals, if we're lucky enough to get that, uh, this means two completely different teams than we've seen at this point in the season. That's the, true. The two games they've played against each other, neither team has been at their full strength. Yeah, so it's yeah, going to yeah. be be great to see uh, in the finals. If we're lucky enough. They are, speaking of, you know, the Nets being banged up, like Durant might be the better, the best player on the Nets, but Harden, I think, is more important to their team. Mm-hmm. Like they are, so they are 10 and 10 without Harden, and they're 23 and 9 without Durant this year. Like, like you can't understate how well James Harden can kind of single-handedly run an offense or turn nothing into a functional offense. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's pretty incredible, yeah. I want to make one note here um, about Ben McLemore. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, in this game, he, I don't even know what he, what he, maybe 15 points, but he is a very streaky shooter. Yes, 17 um, points, by the you way. Know, 17, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, and if he can just spot up and hit threes, he has, he'll have a role on this team. But what I love is just this, I was, when I see McLemore, I think of this story that, um, it was told by Zach Lowe on his podcast back when Kobe died, during, when they were doing the, um, like, people were sharing all their thoughts about Kobe. Yeah. And basically, Macklemore was out of the league back in 2018-19, and he was working with this trainer in L.A. at Mamba Academy, and one day Kobe was there and looked at Macklemore and was like, you know, like, what are you doing here? Why are you not with the team right now? Uh, and essentially just telling him to stay ready, that his opportunity was coming, and uh, ended up getting signed by Houston last year. Uh, had a great year last year. And just seeing him back in the L.A. jersey, I think that's that's just a really cool story for me uh, to see him in that Lakers jersey that, you know, that made Kobe so great. Or that, that is the good. Lakers jersey that Kobe made so great. I don't know what you I just assumed that it was going to be some kind of Kansas KU slander when we started talking. Oh, no, no, So I was no. pleasantly, I was, I was just pleasantly. No, I just think no it's a great story. story. Like, it's, so, a it's story. such a cool story. Yeah, 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 for sure. I thought it was, was not Ben Mac. Who was it that, with speaking of Kobe, that like, Giannis tweeted at Kobe one time, like, what's my challenge yes. or something? He said, win MVP. And then Mac- was it Macklemore? 
Yes. Was he the one that tweeted at Kobe? Like, how about a challenge for me? He said, still waiting on my challenge. Yeah, obviously Kobe didn't respond. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, last thing to talk about here, Rob. Yeah. Uh, Kyrie and Dennis Schroeder both got ejected for double techs. Uh, Kyrie was allegedly upset about Dennis calling him the N-word. And, Robbie, we are just going to sit this one out, okay? Uh, well, actually, it's funny. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Okay, so, I, no, I, we're I feel like on. my opinion is uh, We're moving on. <laughs> well, how about this? Tell, <laughs> you, tell you what, Seth. You, you be the moderator for this. Oh, okay. You buzz in at any point. Okay. You feel like we should stop talking, okay? I just, I want to talk. Let's move on to the West. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I actually do. Oh. It's for talking about Kyrie, because I don't understand Kyrie Irving. Like... Nick Wright, he said. I don't remember when he said it, but he said it best. That Kyrie Irving is a pretty smart guy that thinks he is brilliant, because mm-hmm. like I just 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 for Kyrie, like what a weird time to have an issue with this. Do you know what I mean? Like especially in a competitive yeah. setting, you know, on basketball court, all kinds of smack talk, all kinds of words are being exchanged. Like I, I'm sure, I, I'm almost positive this is. That was not the first time Kyrie heard that word like, <laughs> that day within the law. You know what I mean? And just just the timing of it is so bizarre. Just wanted me. a half day. He just wanted a half that day. Is, <laughs> Take the rest of the day. <laughs> I just it's just like the like Kyrie Irving. The more the more he kind of talks and lets us into his psyche, the more I just I'm just curious which philosophy went on one book he read and things clicked <laughs> for him that that all of a sudden the world made more sense to him. Do you know what I mean? Like do you remember? It was like a couple months ago when. Um, the Nets played Boston, and after the game, Kyrie was like, you know, shaking hands, hugging with his old teammates. And after the game, one of the like one of the interviewers asked him, basically, what did you say? What was it like, you know, talking, chatting with your old teammates after the game? And Kyrie went like, basically, not defensive, but almost cocky, like, oh yeah, I remember. Don't you guys think I hate them or that we hate each other? Yeah, you know, not so antagonistic now. And it's like Kyrie, no one like like what are you? Just his head, where his head was at, based on the question. Like they just asked him, like, "What was it like seeing your old teammates again?" And Kyrie was like, "Oh, this is backhanded. This is a backhanded statement because they think that we hate each other. I'm going to show them." Do you know what I mean? Just a weird dude. Yeah, yeah. Like in this moment specifically, there are a thousand different things that I would have, you know, Kyrie could have said post game was the issue he took or was the reason that he got so confrontational. This is I did not see this. I would never have saw this coming. As an no, issue I've no. Had. Do you know what I mean? No. That it's just it's just I don't. I'm very glad Kyrie is in the league that he's as vocal as he is because it's good entertainment value. But I just oh, I don't understand the guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't understand him as a person, and I and I like that about him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like it. I would probably like it less if he was on my team. That's. I true. mean, I would love him on our team because he's phenomenal. But the the psychological. <laughs> trauma that could bring you by having (laughs) anything else that's it that's it okay yeah let's move on to the main story oh i'm doing the main story that's why you paused right right is that right yes right okay good so uh like we said in the intro we have a while ago we looked at the east kind of trying to break down the playoff picture but the west is fun it is interesting it is exciting and it's going to come down to it and we are still a young podcast seth a few weeks ago by a few weeks i mean a month ago we did a trade deadline kind of prediction episode that episode released barely 24 hours before the actual trade deadline which doesn't give people a lot of time to process it if they were to listen Mm -hmm. to the podcast right 
So we're going to back up. We're about, like I said, we're a month out from the playoffs, about good time to kind of hone in, scale in on how we think some of the contenders in the West are going to be. And we like talking contenders because that's what you do when you're talking mm-hmm. about sports. You talk about good teams. But there's one contender we haven't talked about at all on this podcast, and that is the Phoenix Suns. They're currently second best record in the league, I believe, West mm-hmm. and the league, Phoenix Suns. A lot of people feel like they are being underrated, slept on, you know, pick your favorite analogy as a team. What do you, Seth, we can go any direction with the Suns. What do you think? I, I mentioned earlier uh, in one of the game recaps that I threw the word contender out. I'm really high on them. Maybe I'm just a prisoner of the moment. That mm. can totally be true. Yeah. Uh, but, and I don't, and I don't mean this is now the favorite. I mean, I like them to have a, to, to have a chance to make a late run this season. I just think it's great to see where they're at because of what they've been recently. Like they haven't had a winning season since 2013-14. And what year is it? What, what is it? Year 20, is it 2021 20, now? Yes. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was seven years. Yeah. They're just, yeah. Two years removed from the a three-year stretch of finishing last. And in those years, they finished 44 and 43 games behind first place. I just wanted to bring this up because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Back okay. in uh, the 2015-16 season, they were second to last in the West, solid 50 games behind the one seed. Now, the worst team in the league were the Lakers, mm-hmm. uh, 56 games out of first place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they um, did beat the first place team that year, though. We talked about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, what do you think of the – just overall, what do you think of the, the Suns, Rob? Well, yeah, so so the – I guess part of the reason we – I mean – we're we're guilty of this too that we are not valuing them like we value other contenders, and there there's there's a lot to think about with the Suns. Like on paper, they're absolutely a contender. They are right now the second best net rating in the league. They're top ten offensive and defensive net rating, which historically in the last twenty years, an overwhelming majority of the title winning teams had that. They had top ten offense, top ten defense, top five aggregate, and the Suns check all those boxes. Yeah, as of as of today, they're they're top five offense and defensive rating. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So so they they have the numbers for it. I think they they have a solid rotation. They are legit eight deep that they go. I, I mean, I don't love Dario Saric, kind of their backup five. I don't That's, love yeah. him, especially with you have a young guy starting. So like having a solid veteran center, I think. Would yeah, Dario Saric is playing eighty six percent of his minutes at the center, so he yeah. is their full time backup. Yeah. Five. Yeah. They, okay. That's good. I, I just, I guess he's my biggest question mark in the rotation. I don't know when Cameron Payne woke up and decided he would be a <laughs> functional rotation piece, but but he's a he's a fine backup point guard, especially he's being not out of the playing. league will make you hungry, apparently. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> but so yeah, so they have they have some depth. They have a lot of versatile wing defenders. You know, mm-hmm. Kill Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cameron Johnson. Um, I, I think. So I think on paper they check, like I said, they've checked all the boxes in terms of eye test stats, you know, the roster. But you know, there's some. I think there's some advanced numbers that kind of we're psychological, not psychologically, but like when we hear them, maybe maybe you'll be like this too, Seth. When I heard these, it clicked with me that the kind of oh maybe this is why I'm undervaluing, underrating them, or not rating them as highly as some other teams. So they have no playoff experience. Yeah. Jake Crowder and Chris Paul are the only guys that have played in the playoffs. Or maybe did Saric play? Five games? Was he on that yeah. Timberwolves team? Okay. Uh, no, he was with uh, Philly. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Um, 
but not a lot of playoff experience. Your best player is famous for underperforming in the playoffs, which, you know, yeah. is necessarily true or not, but that's definitely the stigma that comes with him. Um, and so I looked 538, the basketball website, 538. Uh, I tried to understand the, the Raptor, the stat, for how they do that. <laughs> I, um, there's a lot that it's like you have advanced stats and then like that's a stat that takes the advanced stats and does another level exponential yeah. of advanced statting with it. But basically, from what I understand, Seth, is that's it's just basically they try to put a player's value into numbers, like right. in terms of stats and, you know, stats you can't really track, like, the you know, how good they are defensively, right? So in the Raptor stat, they use this to estimate a team's playoff ratings, which basically, you know, it'll improve. They take the regular season rating and it, you know, calculates in the, you know, you shrink the rotation, your better players play more minutes. That way, your you know theoretically your value of how your team performs should increase, right? Mm-hmm. So, of the eleven teams that have at least a one percent chance of making the finals, the Suns have the lowest increase, projected increase from regular season to playoff in terms of Raptor mm-hmm. value. So, I, I and I think Seth, let me know if you feel the same way that that this feels indicative of a lot of Chris Paul teams. That yeah. it's not so much that they underperform in the playoffs, but they maybe overperform in the regular season. And so they, 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 they don't really have an extra gear that a lot of the, you know, especially like teams like the Lakers, the Nets, the Clippers that aren't necessarily right. playing to win every regular season game. They have that extra gear in the playoffs that the Suns might not have. So what do you think? Do you think that's right. a fair criticism of the Suns? Yeah. And kind of about the Chris Paul thing, like think of it as instead of raising your ceiling super high, Chris Paul definitely raises your floor. Like you're not going to be, you're not going to be allowed right. to be a bad right, team, right. Yeah. you know. Um, I do think it's a very fair assessment. I didn't know that was a stat that you could uh, put into numbers a playoff uh, playoff experience. You know, well, thank God they had a graph <laughs> and like a chart for me because I dumb was, people I was like reading us, the right? article and I was this makes no sense. Exactly. <clears throat> I actually I love what you what you said with they check all the boxes about of what you need to compete in the playoffs. Two fantastic shot creators. One legendary, one legendary shot creator, in Chris Paul, and then the stereotypical three and D players, Mikael Bridges, who's shooting forty one percent, and Jay Crowder right next to him, shooting thirty eight percent. And I think he's kind of an undervalued piece from the Heat last year. Uh, he's had a bigger impact leaving that team than people I yeah, think, the originally Heat, thought. The Heat really miss him. Like they, they've tried to replace him unsuccessfully. Right, like they had that going out and getting Trevor Ariza was kind of the reason. Right, right. Um, yeah, but then they have. You mentioned DeAndre Ayton, no experience whatsoever, uh, but he, he is a big body that can affect shots at the rim and rebound at a high rate. You mentioned the Dario Sarge struggles. I'm with you on or the not being optimistic about his fit come playoff time. I'm all with I'm all for it there. One player off the bench that intrigues me is Tory Craig. And he got sent over from the Bucks when the Bucks got PJ Tucker from Houston. He started for the Nuggets last year in the in the playoffs. He's basically Royce O'Neal with an unreliable jumper, but I think he provides a little bit of playoff experience and also fits into that that wing defender role that's so important in the playoffs. Last year, people said that the Lakers won a title because they were they had, had the ability to zig when everyone else zagged, so they went big while everybody else went with their small ball centers. And when in reality, the Lakers zig was really just going in the best small ball center in basketball. But this year. The Suns seem to be zigging while everyone else just shoots threes and open layups. They rely on the mid-range jumper so heavily. And 
Chris Paul and Devin Booker are fantastic at it. So your two best scorers can score at three levels, behind the three-point line, in the mid-range, and at the hoop. Chris Paul's second pull-up jumpers and Booker's seventh in pull-up mid-range jumpers, both in the top five for field goal percentage on those. And it just it's interesting to me because when the game slows down in the playoffs, it's more it's much more of a half-court game. You gotta be able to get stops in the half court, and you gotta be able to score in a smaller area like that. And I think, I think that might be kind of valuable for them um, come playoff time. You're not getting those wide open threes that that a lot of teams are getting in the regular season with lax defense. Uh, being able to create your own shot and um, just know how to score with better defense, I think that's gonna be valuable for them. Yeah, that's good. That's a really good point actually with the mid range scoring. And I don't, <laughs> I I hear what you're saying with with. You know the Suns, you know, going kind of against the popular tide of the um, of the rest of the league by shooting more mid-range shots. I don't, I don't know if I agree necessarily that that's a good thing. Even though they're oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fighting that it's, I'm not saying okay, that's a okay. great thing. I'm just saying it's, it's an think, interesting aspect well, to look I just, at. I just think the difference with like the Lakers last year going big is because Anthony Davis is the most versatile defensive big in the NBA and so he can right. he makes up for a lot of you know histor not stereotypical faults with playing a big lineup like Anthony Davis like like you put Anthony Davis on Jimmy Butler in the finals and it works yeah. like, you know what I mean like no other pl- I don't even think any other player in the league can do that much less right. do that and then be well, as effective of an offensive big man as Anthony yeah. Davis is. The, the thing I was saying is like people would talk about the JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard bringing in those big guys to play um, was what was different than everybody else in the league who was just trying to find their small ball right, center. Right. But that was I'm saying that was completely overstated because they just went and got the best small ball center in basketball. <laughs> so yeah, that's good. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, how do you feel like they match up against some other teams though? I think that's going to be the draw. The draw of where teams shake out when this is all said and done to start the playoffs one through eight. It's going to be really interesting to see who they get matched up against. Yeah, that is I you know. That is, I think, the funnest thing about the West right now is, is there's so many great teams, and just so many different matchups we could see because there's still a lot of room for movement mm-hmm. within the standings. I don't, boy, who did I? If I were the Suns, who would I want to play? Who would I not want to play? Well, and I, and I hate that this is the current reality, but if I'm any team in the West, I'm one. I want the Nuggets. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, if you're, if I would have to take a team that 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 uh, is top five or top six in the West. Do I want like the Lakers who have a struggling record, but they're getting their two best players back or mm-hmm. the Nuggets who are losing their second best player? So gosh, I mean, that's kind of, <laughs> that's a cheating answer though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I'm thinking between the top three, between the LA teams and the, and the jazz. Cause I think, I, cause I think Utah, oddly enough, I mm, think that is their, their best I was, matchup. I was going to say the Clippers. Because I, I – so give me – why Utah? Why, why, just because? Because they just beat them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think they put uh, Rudy Gobert in a really tough situation when they attack downhill on ball screens. Um, Chris Paul could literally make space out of nothing. Uh, and when you're – again, coming back – geez, coming back to this mid-range point, I guess. Um, maybe I do think it's more valuable. It than, sounds like it. It sounds yeah. like it. Wow, I just talked myself into that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I do think attacking – Rudy Gobert is going to be more. I guess what I'm saying is, if you think about who they can play at five, the Clippers and the Lakers, like when you're when you have Serge Ibaka 
and Anthony Davis as your five on these teams. They can switch everything. And I just don't feel like the Jazz can do that, basically. Well, I think, you know, kind of the trade-off with that is that Rudy Gobert, that he's not great on the perimeter, but he is so good yeah. around, not even around the rim, but around the lane that he just alters shots. That it's it's there's a bit of a trade out there. I was thinking the Clippers because I just I'm just thinking about their rosters and I think they match up really like that they have the length to throw at Kawhi and PG enough. And I think yeah. Chris Paul is going to give the the backcourt of the the Clippers fits in a seven game series. That yeah. that Patrick Beverly is going to think he's in Chris Paul's head and Chris Paul is <laughs> going to drop twenty twenty on him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I I, I think I'm just thinking like. The back, I think the backcourt of the Suns would be really difficult defensively for the Clippers to deal with. Right. And I don't maybe playoff Rondo. Who knows? A possible. fueled, a pissed off playoff Rondo. <laughs> but who knows? Does that does that motivate him? Because I feel like he's not. He has a tendency to like negatively react to the like you know when he was like on the Mavericks and he just imploded when he and Rick Carlisle went at you know, <laughs> went at each other. Yeah, who knows? I in my notes I had the, that Utah and uh, the Clippers were the teams that I that I would okay. like their chances yeah. against. I, I mean, I, basically, I, I, basically just because Anthony Davis is the biggest like <laughs> ultimate mismatch in basketball. Is, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, that's a good point. I, I I think I think they would they should like their chances against anybody. I do. Speaking of that, I think we should get into that because the Clippers, uh, the the Clippers, the Suns. You know, Vegas odds they have the worst. Of the, you know, the top eight, I guess you would, well, I guess we're, I don't know about the Nuggets, but the top, we'll take the Nuggets out. The top seven now contenders, which are the LA, Utah, Phoenix, and the three teams in the East. Mm-hmm. The Suns had noticeably the worst playoff odds, or championship odds. But I, I think they, I think they could, like, if they ended up in the finals, I would not be all that surprised. I think they could do it. Do you know who else could do it, Seth? Anybody else? Exactly. Anybody? I mean, other teams could also do it. I want to. So, you know, I guess we'll still count the Nuggets as I, cause the Nuggets will still be it. Like I, I think they kind of moved down a tier from legit contenders to mm-hmm. to you know threaten to steal a series. But of those, you know, there's five teams. Four of them make it out of the first round. We have you know counting the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Mavericks. That's seven teams fighting for six. Not playing game spots, so how is it going to end up? How's the West going to finish? Is a really exciting question. Yeah, it is. Do you have? Do you want to read off? Do you have the, how the standings are right now? Yeah. You read like so the top. Have, uh, I don't know, six yeah. or seven. Utah uh, is in first. Phoenix is a game and a half behind them. The Clippers are third, three and a half games behind. Denver is currently in fourth, six games behind. Lakers are fifth, seven games back, and the Blazers are. I say six. The Blazers are sixth. Yes. Um, and then and then we have seven, eight, nine, ten. Dallas, Memphis, San Antonio, Golden State, and I would I I'd be interested to see those four guys. Well, to me, play in the play to me, it know. seems like like Dallas is kind of in their own tier. Yeah, like they're going to get that seven, and we got three teams. But they're locked in three teams seven fighting. In my mind, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of locked in, the Jazz feel like they're locked into the one seed, which is. Very valuable because, like I said, the Mavericks are a solid team at seven, and there's a clear drop off from seven to eight. Like, who knows what the eight spot is going to look like? the The Jazz, so like you said, you said one and a half game lead. Is that what it is? Yeah. With Phoenix. Yep. One and a half game lead, but they have the easiest strength of schedule in the league for the rest <laughs> of the uh, for the rest of the season. Literally thirtieth difficulty. They 
What's crazy? So strength of schedule, it just looks at record, not necessarily how good the team is right now. So mm-hmm. the Lakers are considered a very difficult team, even though they're clearly not as difficult as the record would indicate. So the Jazz play the Lakers twice, and that's two of their toughest games the rest of the way, which are not as tough as, oh, wow. again, they're going to be. Yeah. So on this website that I looked it up, it shows the, you know, as an example, like it has them ranked and then shows the six best teams they still have to play and the six worst teams they still have to play in terms of record. The the Jazz, they don't even have five teams in their – or they didn't have the full six teams in the toughest – like it shows for the toughest teams, it's just teams above 500. And the Jazz don't even play six teams oh. above 500 for the rest oh of the season. They only play five teams, and two of them are the Lakers. Two of those games are against the Lakers. So, oh, Jesus. So they have the easiest schedule in the league, I think, by a considerable amount. They do – however, they do play Phoenix again. And Phoenix has – they already have the tiebreaker if it comes down to it. Yeah, I think they're 2-0, I think, against Norris. Yeah, so, so you know, the Phoenix are – they've got that game circled. But besides that, there's just – I think there's just no way the Jazz don't end up with the one seed, especially with the motivation to get the one so they play the number eight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would I would like uh, – <clears throat> just looking forward to, to the second round. Like if things go chalk, Jazz, Lakers, Phoenix, Clippers – as it is right now, that's what it is. Uh, like assuming the Lakers move ahead of Denver, yeah. Right, right. right. That um, would, yeah. Um, kind of, kind of set the stage for hopefully the LA battle that we've. Yes, that's true. Been yeah. dreaming of. Yeah. Um, what other teams in the top? Well, I mean, yeah. Rest in peace to the Nuggets. Um, after uh, after winning eight straight games with Aaron Gordon, they lost back to back games, including the one where Jamal Murray tore his ACL. It was yeah. that game was their sixth game in nine days, which some people were kind of up in arms about the brutal scheduling. But that's just mm-hmm. the lay of the land this year, you know. Sucks, but it's just kind of the way it had to be. Kind of a wild stat. So Aaron Gordon, like I said, the Nuggets won eight straight games with Aaron Gordon. That was the longest win streak of Aaron Gordon's career. So <laughs> in eight games with the Nuggets, he had an eight game win streak, which was his longest win streak of his playing career. That's hilarious. That that yeah. So the Clippers, I think the Clippers, another team, I think they have a real shot to move up because they have the third easiest schedule in the league going forward. And it seems like, like Paul George has been dealing with like a toe injury and it, it, he's been playing really well the last few games. So I, I don't know if it he's feeling better about it, but they might push for the two or they might just kind of be content to sit at three and, um, you know, maybe try to get some guys healthy. The it's It's really exciting because, you know, teams like the – the Clippers or even the Suns, like they do not want to play the Lakers. And depending on how far right. the Lakers right. fall, the Lakers so Lakers could fall. To, they're at five right now. They could fall to six. They could even fall to seven or eight. Like it's very plausible. They do not have. I think they have the sixth hardest schedule the rest of the way. So they could fall into the playing game. And like, how much would that suck for like the Suns or even you know the Jazz or the Clippers? Like they work their butts off to get into the top three, and then the reward is playing. You know the Lakers with the LeBron and AD coming back. That's that's yeah. Think be... about for the think about, oh, I mean, like, think about for the Suns who, like I said, hadn't haven't had winning season since twenty fourteen. Yeah, yeah, finally yeah. made the playoffs, and here's the reigning national or the reigning NBA champs, <laughs> the Lakers. Yeah, that, yeah, the, yeah. That's, that's seven seed. <laughs> I, so so yes, the Lakers they are the wild card, right? Yeah. So they like I said, I think they have the sixth hardest schedule, and so it starts next Saturday, the seventeenth. They play the Jazz twice, and then they play the Mavericks twice. So they have a little back-to-back mm-hmm. series with them. So that's four games against 
four playoff teams that are looking to win, right? Yeah. They then there's a couple easy games, and they have a four game stretch of Nuggets, Clippers, Blazers, Suns, and the Clippers Blazers games is back to back. So, and so all of those games, we mentioned LeBron AD. Last I heard, Seth is that AD will be reevaluated this Thursday, and they they are hoping that he'll be back within the next two weeks. And LeBron will be another three weeks. So mm-hmm. those Anthony Davis might be back. LeBron won't be, but if he is back, it'll be on a huge like minutes game restriction. Oh yeah, but they should both be out for like all those games that I just mentioned. So that's a lot of games against a lot of Western playoff, Western Conference playoff teams. Right. And yeah, I didn't think that they would they would be able to. First of all, I didn't expect Anthony Davis to be out this long. Yeah, but. I didn't expect them to, to to drop like they might. I'm not saying that they have, uh, but with that schedule, man, that's going to be tough. Yeah, it's it's. I I'll say I'm officially uneasy with yeah. with how long they're taking to come back because you know if they do fall into the playing game and you have your two stars are still not 100 percent, maybe like it's mm-hmm. very you know you have right. it's just two games. Like if you're the seven or eight seed, you you play a game. If you lose it. You play another game, and if you lose that, you're out. You're out of the playoffs. So it's, I mean, that's coming. Especially if they, you know, if they struggle against, they're playing a lot of good teams. If they struggle, that could be a very big possibility. It's, yeah. it's again, if it does, it's going to shaft whoever is the team they play in the first round. Right, right. I, one last note here for me. Right now, the Clippers are would be matched up with Portland. And then uh, Dallas is right behind Portland, about two games back. I would love to see a, another Portland or another uh, run, run Clippers back. Mavericks yeah. yeah series that'd be great. That would just, be, I, I don't know. I didn't look at where the Blazers are. Did you, I, I did see they are horrendous against playoff teams like this year. Like teams that are projected yeah. to make the playoffs, like they are not winning games against good teams this year. So I don't. I'm not like we haven't really talked about him this episode, and it's because I'm not nothing that I've seen. You know, I'm Damian Lillard so incredible. You can't count them out of any series, but nothing that I've seen this year tells me that they can beat one of these top teams. You know what I mean? Right. Much less, right. you know, win three series in a row to make the finals. I just, I, I think they're a tier below. I mean, I, I they're probably with the Nuggets at this point. Is that yeah. they're going to be a tough out? They absolutely can steal a series, but I just, I don't see them beating multiple of these great teams in a seven game series. Right. Yeah, me either. Okay. Let's intro a new segment, Rob. Yeah. Oh, did we name the segment? I just we oh. just wrote what we wrote. I thought oh, I, I think we, I was going to come up oh. with a better name. We did. Oh, uh, <laughs> what do you got? Do you got anything? I got nothing. Okay. Well, this is a new unnamed segment. Tweet us at Gray's Rim with a name for it. How about that? How about that little plug? There you go. Yeah. Um. So last week, I very briefly mentioned ESPN put out a list. Of the top twenty-five players under twenty-five, and it was, you know, it was it was with the context of their potential in terms of potential. The top twenty-five players currently playing in the league who will have be the twenty-five best. So we we decided to make a segment that we are currently has the working title of "Too High, Too Low," but it can change. Where we are going to find is that the name? That's what I have written down. Is that the name? Yeah, that we yeah, yeah, with? yeah. Okay. So, so we'll pick some things that we like and some things that we don't like in the sense that this is a ranking. So we, we pick a ranking, an order of a list that's ordered, and here are some things that we think are too high, some things we think are too low. 
and why. So, Seth, what jumps out to you as either too high or too low on this list? Oh, by the way, so, I would, I'm, we're not going to read off the list. I would just go look it up. Just Google yeah. it. So, the list is broken. It's three ESPN writers rank their top 25 players under 25 based on potential. And then they come up with like a net rating for it. It's like they take the average of it. Yeah. So, uh, one of the writers had Michael Porter Jr. as the number three overall player. Now, on his on the list, he's ranked 14th. That's because the other two writers had him around the 16 and 15 range. But uh, it's just weird to me that th- he's so high. He's ahead of Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he's ahead of Lamelo, ahead of Ben Simmons. That mm. just he's right behind Luca and Zion. That's not where my mind goes for guys that are going to like, you know, we're talking about guys who could potentially be like the face of the league. Right. Right. Michael Porter's not the one, Junior, that's not the one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, this is, I, I kind of made a note similar to this too, was that just how, how he valued, it was Bobby Marks that did this list, mm-hmm. how he valued yeah. his wing players. So Michael Porter Jr. was three. He was the number one wing. If you want to count Simmons, Ben Simmons was four. Then Brandon Ingram at nine, Jalen Brown at eleven, Jason Tatum at thirteen. So Jason Tatum, that yeah, the other two guys had Tatum at number three and number four, and, and this guy had Jason Tatum as his what fifth best wing under twenty five, right? Right. Yeah, with Michael Porter Jr. at one. This is this is weird to me because the Michael Porter Jr. pick because I, I mean I think he was underrated at whatever was, it, was he at like for sure eighteen or. What was he at in the 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 pick like the draft? Fourteen, fourteen, fourteen. Yeah. I think fourteen too. But low. that's because that was like that was like injury, you know, because he missed the season at Missouri yeah, with, that's his, true. with his that's back true. injury. Three is is abs- yeah, it's absurdly high. The guys like that he's ahead of, he has no business being that high. <laughs> yeah, that just that jumped right out to his like yeah, yeah. Especially like the disconnect between the other two riders, right? Um, that that had him, you know, nowhere near the the top ten even. Um, but but especially with the Jason Tatum thing being so low as well, right? That he was so far odd away. To, odd to me, yeah. yeah. Odd to me. What I, about you? I, well, yeah, kind of. I guess kind of going along with why that's so weird to me was that the the thing that I mean, this is just a general thing that stood out to me was that I feel like these rankings really not necessarily overvalued, but had a huge emphasis on if they've had any playoff success already, or like like they they boosted players for already having some or playing well or having some success in the playoffs. And they're really critical of players that had no success in the playoffs so far. So that's why, like, this, that, that was kind of a general rule for me. And Michael Porter Jr. was so out of left field because he was yeah. pretty against <laughs> that mold. But, like, what about, like, Donovan Mitchell was number four on the, 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 the final list. And, like, Donovan Mitchell's great. You know, he's an all star. But I, I, I feel like since he had such a great showing in the playoffs last year, like, that's the thing to put him over the top in terms of potential. Yeah. Same thing with Bam Adebayo, who, who was kind of in that same category. And Trey Young was somebody that was on the other end of that for me, whereas he hasn't been in the playoffs. Kind of the advanced numbers don't favor him as well as some of the other guys. And he so he, he was number eight last year, and this year he's number 16, which mm-hmm. is a pretty uh, pretty brutal um, drop-off. Kind yeah. Of, yeah, kind of a re-evaluation of him. But, but the, that they really liked players that had already shown that they can – elevate their play in a playoff series mm-hmm. i i like the fact you brought donovan mitchell because that was my that was my other thing that stood out to me like you said he's uh what do you say fourth right yeah on the list yeah and so this list is based on potential that's what they under the uh, umbrella of potential mm-hmm. so whatever that means and i just i guess i don't know 
where Donovan Mitchell goes from here as a player. Like this seems like we know what Donovan Mitchell is. At six one, he's not really going to improve his wing like wing defensive ability. Uh, he's not gonna become a stopper there. And he is a volume shooter. Like that's what he is. And I think that is going to change. So it was just it was kind of weird to me that in my eyes, I don't know where I mean, he can be more efficient for sure, but yeah. where Donovan Mitchell goes from here, right? Yeah, that makes that's a really good way of kind of stating it. Is that like I mean I don't know how old he is, but he's got to be getting close to twenty five, so he's not going to be on the mm-hmm. list for much longer. He he's kind of an undersized, like he's like six foot six one for a shooting guard, which yeah. is undersized. He relies heavily on his athleticism. But yeah, that I mean, we I feel like we already know what Donovan Mitchell is and what we're going to get from him. Which I mean, it's really good, but but right. part of the thing with potential is like, what could this guy become? Like, like what could he be? Like you brought up Trey Young, we kind of know what Trey Young is. Yeah, when you see him down at sixteenth. You know, like where does where does where's either either of those guys go? Right, from here? right, right, right. Uh, all right, my oh my other thing. The, the, there's one name on this list that I was not prepared for at all, and that is uh, <laughs> Mikhail Bridges. Yeah. So number. Eight seventeen, he was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's on the Suns. We mentioned him as as like a solid player for the Suns. Like he's a good player. He's a very prototypical, athletic, lengthy three and D versatile player. Right. It's like he's almost twenty five years old, and he he mm-hmm. averages thirteen points a game this year. Like you said, somebody that we kind of already know what he is. Michael Bridges. He was ahead of. Kind of more established players. Well, he's Thomas Sabonis. He was ahead of Sabonis, who was an all-star. Right. And on the other end, you've got guys like Anthony Edwards, Halliburton, who are even DeAndre Aiden. I would put in the category of, of of we don't know what they are yet. Like you said, like that that their potential just seems so much higher to me because yeah, I mean, especially the young guys, the rookies. Like they've been impressive. Like who knows how high their ceiling is? I, I don't. I don't think Mikael Bridges is the next Kawhi Leonard. You know what I mean? I just right. I I think he's going to be a great you know he could be a great starter for a lot of times a good player with a good well defined role but but this this list kind of I just don't think he's fit for this list. Yeah, and like you said, he's he's right above Demonis Sabonis, who is who is a multiple time All Star. So even if Demonis Sabonis, if his potential, if he's kind of reaching his potential, like what he's going to be, that's still higher than what I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather have him be, today you know? and tomorrow. Yeah, right. You know. Than what what Mikael Bridges might be like, I don't see it being multiple time All Star. Yeah, you yep, know for sure. So yeah, that caught my eye as well. Cool. That was. Do we have anything else? That was my all my eyes no, have yeah. been caught. Yes. <laughs> um, I see. So yeah, go. Well, you can go look at the list. You have to have ESPN Plus, right, to see the individual. Oh yes, yes. That, um, but you can check out the comprehensive. Yes. List. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, next. Oh, next segment. We've done this one time similarly before, and that is peak my interest, where we did it a while ago. Where we picked a team that we hadn't really talked about, and gave reasons for why you should be interested, why you should be, you know, keeping your eye out for that team. We're bringing that back, but with players. So we both picked a player, and to peak my interest, a player that maybe people aren't talking about or should be looking more closely at or more interested in, and we're going to tell you why. So do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You can go first. I'll go first. Okay. So your interest, and this was, I I picked this before the Jamal Murray injury, but Michael Porter Jr. is a guy who should be piquing your interest. Like I said, before the Jamal Murray injury, yes, but after exponentially more so because 
I feel like we know what we're going to get from Jokic in the playoffs, but the Nuggets playoff success now, just what Michael Porter does is going to, you know, decide the fate of the Nuggets in these playoffs. <laughs> um, so he, I think he just played his like hundredth career game. So he's been, he's, he's drafted, this is third year drafted, but he sat out his first year. He, he just started playing before COVID hit last year, played in the bubble. This year is his first full season, and he's he had some he had, he was injured for a bit, had some COVID issues, but since the All Star break, <laughs> I guess yeah. So he was wasn't he the only player to test positive, like test positive weight, Multiple test times. positive again, yeah. Um, since the All Star break, he has been averaging twenty one points per game, nine rebounds per game, shooting fifty seven percent from two, forty three percent. From three shoot and and since the Aaron Gordon trade, his kind of got he's twenty one to twenty two points per game, so that hasn't affected him negatively. If anything, it's been positive. Since the All Star break, he has been one of the best catch and shoot three point players. His mm-hmm. three point shooting is like top five in the league in catch and shoot three point percentage. But he is he is like you said you you thought he was overvalued at number three. He is I don't think I don't think he's playing his way into that number three spot, but he's definitely trying to like he is working more towards kind of his pre-college injury of you know number one of the number one draft pick potential that he's just an offensive phenom that he so like i said he's, he's barely played a full season of regular season games but he's he's a legit 610 he can score at three levels he his his shot is really like deceptively hard to block like he has a really high release yeah. and he's really good at like like when he he goes up to shoot, he can kind of bring the ball up around. Like if you have your kind of hand in his face, he can bring the ball up into a shooting pocket in a lot of different ways, but not in ways that mess up his shot. Like it's a really hard skill to learn that it look, he makes it look really easy. Um, he doesn't like to pass, <laughs> which is really funny. So he's averaging like one point five assists per game. I like his three this year. His three highest scoring games, he had a combined two assists on those games. So. Not a great passer, but he doesn't necessarily have to be, especially with Jokic. Like he won't be high volume on the ball. A lot of it will be get a, get he'll have the ball in a position where he's already got a chance to create because somebody already kind of created. I just I, I think what's super interesting is that he's been playing great offensively since the Ulster break, and now he's going to get a lot more attention on the offensive end. We'll get a taste of it in the next few weeks of the regular season. How he handles you know without Jamal Murray, he'll yeah. be more of the focal point for other teams' game plan. And he will be the X factor for how well they do in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you talked about creeping his way up. Not you said not in the top three, but up and trending in that direction. Yeah, I mean and he's he's. With- I I just like you know there was questions of like is he going to be worth the because he's due for a contract extension, right? Rookie extension. Like is he going to be worth like the max, max? money? And, and now yeah. I think he absolutely like he is he just in the last month. Like the flashes that he's shown are are you know, all-star potential. Yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what he does as, cause I think he is going to get a, he's going to get the ball in his hands a fair amount now with Jamal yeah. Murray out. Yeah. What he can do. Um, you, you talked about the, the spot up threes, like those are going to decrease a little bit without somebody like Jamal Murray creating um, and drawing the attention of the defense. So it'll be interesting to what the, like what the efficiency looks like. That's what I'm kind of interested to see. Right. Cause the, the volume is going to increase. Let's see what that efficiency does, but, uh, definitely a, like a polarizing player right now. Hmm. Um, anything else on him? Nope. My 
my person that has caught my eye lately, Gary Trent Jr. We talked about Gary Trent uh, in the trade deadline episode. He got traded to uh, to Toronto from Portland. And the NBA is so much about opportunity. Like You just need an opportunity, and you need to make the most of that opportunity. Being the third scoring guard option in Portland didn't really showcase what Gary Trent Jr. can do. Uh, essentially being a spot-up shooter with CJ and Dame um, creating for him. He shot 58% of his threes. 58% of his shots were from from three this year with the uh, with the Blazers. And that's just not the case anymore uh, with Toronto. Toronto's had some injuries like Kyle Lowry and Fred Brimbley have missed games. Pascal Siakam has missed games um, since Gary Trent's been traded. And he's only been there 10 games. It's a very small sample size. I get that. Um, but he just put up his career high 44, and that was awesome to see. Uh, he's now averaging his career high 18.5 points, <clears throat> shooting 47% from the field, 41% from three. He's taken over 7.5 attempts a game from three. Uh, really good efficiency on, on pretty high volume. But like I said, way more than just a spot-up shooter. Um, this season, 34% of his shot attempts have come from catch-and-shoot threes. But over the last ten percent of the or over the last ten games, only twenty eight percent have come off catch and shoot. So he's got a lot more freedom to do uh, things off the dribble, which CJ and did in Portland, and he didn't really get much of an uh, opportunity to do that. He's shooting twenty three percent of his shots, his pull up threes, and he's hitting forty three percent of them, which, like I said, is something he never did in Portland. Uh, so his shot profile much more diversified, and it's contributing to his increased output. So keep your eye on that. I don't know if the efficiency, kind of with Michael Porter Jr., I don't know if that is sustainable. Uh, but right now he's rolling. He's on fire. He's a gunner. He's got a very green light right now. So keep your eye on Gary Trent. Yeah, I kind of like you said, this does. This feels like a guy that just now he's got a green light and not everybody handles that well, but he's handled it great. I I thought I really liked the, the trade. Trading for Norman Powell from the Blazers, but this is kind of making me rethink it. It's like, what did yeah. did the Blazers know what they had, or is this kind of just a flash in a pan? Who knows? The, it definitely means who loves it is Gary Trent's wallet because oh my god, yeah, <laughs> he's playing his way into a much larger contract extension that he would have gotten even two weeks ago. Yeah, he's he's definitely getting paid now. I don't think I don't know if Toronto knew what they were getting right, into. right, 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 exactly. That's all I got. All right, cool. Um, interest peaked. So we are moving along to Splash or Pass, the classic segment. And what we are doing in Splash or Pass is... I forgot to put the description for what we normally do. So Splash or Pass, I'm going to do this <laughs> off the cuff. Ooh, here uh, we go. Every week Freestyle. we take NBA news, rumors, gossip, things that we haven't talked about or didn't have time to talk about, and we hold it into Splash or Pass where we give our take on it, what we like, what we don't like. Except instead of splashing or passing on things, every week we like to pick new criteria of things that we rate our stories on. So this week for Splash or Pass, we are doing, um, in honor of Playoff Rondo, kind of coming out, making his first appearance, we are, we are doing how well do you step up your game in the regular season versus the playoffs? How well do you transition your game into the playoff version? Is it Russian Rondo? Splashing with Rajan Rondo, who historically the last few years has been bad, I mean, frankly, bad in the regular season, and has become made himself very valuable to teams to the point where this year he was traded for the sole purpose of potential playoff value because he's been terrible in the regular season. So, splashing with Rondo, or are we 
passing with the player he was traded for, Lou Williams, perennial sixth man of the year candidate, who was also basically unplayable in the playoffs because he's so bad defensively. So splash on playoff Rondo, pass on what's Lou Williams' nickname? Does he have a nickname? Lemon Pepper Lou, Sweet Lou. Wouldn't all right. <laughs> <laughs> splash on Rondo, pass on Lou, and you get to pick your nickname for him. Oh, cool. That's fun. Okay, do you want to start? Uh, okay, so yeah, I'll, I'll go first. You start. You start. <laughs> okay, I am. I'm playoff Rondo on the dunk contest ten years from now. We all grew up with Nerf hoops, Rob. We had one in our house, I think, in college. Okay, uh, is that true? Uh, or maybe you had one in your dorm that when you guys lived in the dorms. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I think you did. Okay, uh, I probably dunked on you plenty of times, probably. Mm. Um, but but we know you grew up with them, right? Right. We I did, knew yes. that you weren't allowed to touch the rim because you'd rip that cardboard right, up right. and break the hoop. But nowadays, kids are dunking on upgraded Nerf hoops that allow them to hang on the rim, and I mean hanging like suspended in the air, feet off the ground, uh, while ho- holding their body weight. It's cr- it's crazy. There's a video on Twitter of these these maybe ten year old kids jumping, dunking, hanging on an, like an upgraded Nerf hoop. Uh, so you thought Steph changed the game because now kids only want to shoot threes. We got our counter. This is kind of equaling back out because now kids just want to dunk. And they want to do it on these nice Nerf hoops. So dunk contest in 10 years, going to have some crazy dunks because kids are going to have so much experience. Yeah, it's this video is awesome. It's this guy's just like recreating. I mean, I don't know if he's doing it on purpose, but he's like recreating dunk contest dunks on a six feet tall Nerf hoop. Is about the the guy that like the, the guy that recreates them? Is that what you're saying? No, you're saying? I was just like, the, like I'm assuming I'm talking about the same video. Is it this guy no. who's doing all these crazy dunks on a little... What are you talking about? There's these two kids that are, like, hanging on the rim. It's supported. Oh. I'll, I'll send a video to okay. you. Actually, okay. you know what? I'll post it on Twitter. Ooh, love I'll it. Graze the rim. I do, okay, I do know that video. I know what you're talking about. I do remember that. I just... I remember seeing a video. It might have been the same hoop, the same kid, just a different video. That the guy does, like, he does all these crazy dunks, and it's just a little, you know, a little tiny mini hoop. And he's <laughs> he does, like, the Aaron Gordon double under the leg stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Changing the game. That's right. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I am going to... I am going to... Blue Will, I am passing on the commentator's curse. And this is a phenomenon that I love. I'm I'm going to a little superstitious theme for my Splasher mm. Pass this week. Oh, yeah. Commentator's curse. Um, so Zion Williamson is having an awesome season. He is... I, I was skeptical if he deserved to be an All-Star, but he has been way more than that, especially since the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. He's been so the thing that's crazy. He's been playing a lot of point guard. Yeah, like he's he's been bringing the ball up, running the offense. He's averaging like twenty seven points a game since the All Star break. Pretty incredible. He tied Shaquille O'Neal's record of twenty five straight games scoring twenty at least twenty five points per game on fifty percent shooting on at least fifty percent shooting. Wow. He tied the record. Uh, the day of game twenty six, the game that would break the record, and this is a record that's you know. Since the shock like air. Wilt never did this. Only Shaq has done this. Um, the day of game 26, Nick Wright goes on Colin Coward's show to talk about Zion. And in this, in this, um, in this segment, he says you can already chalk up the record because the Pelicans were playing the Brooklyn Nets, who have been terrible on defense this year. So Nick Wright already operated with it as being a fact and talk about what having the record means to Zion or what it means for Zion's career going forward. 
But nobody told Zion that because he scored a whopping 16 points on 4 of 12 <laughs> shooting, which was his lowest point total since December 31st, the fifth game of the season this year. So I am wow. passing on the commentator's curse. No oh, man, that's great. Thank you, Nick Wright. <clears throat> okay, I am Sweet Lou on Dork's running NBA team social media accounts. Today, just today, the Magic Twitter, they tweeted a trivia question. They said, this year we have a defensive rating of 113.4, which is the second highest in franchise history, and asked fans to guess which season was their highest. Now, defensive rating is like golf in the way that you want the lowest score. Yeah. And so the or the Mavericks, the Magic are bragging about having their second worst defensive season yeah. in franchise history. Yeah. And I know they did not do it intentionally. That is, yeah, that is that is really funny that it's like <laughs> we're having our second worst defensive year. Can you guys name the worst? Like, let's the, reminisce. Pick out the worst year of our franchise history. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Analytics have gone too far. <laughs> that is really funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so my last one, I am I am playoff Rondo. I'm splashing on the idea of Anthony Edwards smack-talking my favorite team. Uh, so this was a <laughs> tough few weeks for Anthony Edwards, not in terms of on the court. So Miles Bridges, we haven't talked about, had the dunk of the last 10 years. God, it was beautiful. Um, it was, I mean, it was, it was very prime Vince Carter-esque. In the, the, I mean, it's one of the best dunks I can remember seeing. So Miles, uh, before this point, I think Anthony Edwards had the dunk of the year. Miles Bridges yeah. takes dunk of the year from him, and it was a no contest. This is dunk of the year for Miles Bridges. So Anthony Edwards loses dunk of the year. Then uh, on March thirty first, Timberwolves beat the Knicks. RJ Barrett, sorry, you're cutting out. Can you say that's it? No, no, we didn't see it. RJ Barrett missed the would be game winning shots, and in the post game, Anthony Edwards said that RJ Barrett was the guy they wanted shooting that shot. That they were happy he was the one who took the shot. Since then. Um, RJ Barrett has averaged 17 points a game, shooting 56% from three in the, um, I think it's like four or five games since then, since March 31st game. On, on April 9th, RJ Barrett scored to force overtime and then hit a three to take the lead with one minute left against the Grizzlies. On April 11th, 35 seconds left, up one. He hits a three to go up four versus the Raptors. So tell Anthony Edwards to say all the mean things he can think of about the Lakers. And if you're listening along at home, you're hoping Anthony Edwards starts smack-talking your favorite team because it only means success for them going forward. Uh, while we're on Anthony Edwards, today he, he didn't know who A-Rod was. Yes, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He's a, like, a great interview person to listen to. He, he just no-filter says whatever's on right. his mind. I love it. Right. Yeah, all right. that's all I have. Good. It is, it's, I'm, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm ready for <laughs> bed. burning the midnight oil. Late night episode. Crazy on this late night episode. <laughs> All right. Um, that's good. We will be back next week. We need to figure out what our format's going to be come playoff time. Yeah. Because I assume we're going to have to, we're gonna have to um, do more. Because I don't know if we can do once a week. We're going to have to do twice a week and just do some recap of the games a little bit. Yeah. I actually, I like that idea. So we'll let you, we'll let you know when we, they just start popping right. up. On uh, follow us on Twitter at Grace the Room. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, I have been censoring you for your Timberwolves posts. <laughs> and when you retweet too many Timberwolves things, I go and unretweet it on the account. Have you noticed that? I, ha- I haven't noticed. I have been doing that, yeah. 
because I, I oh, this is my favorite part of the, this is my favorite part of the song by the way no there's no song playing you don't, have, you don't have control over this uh all right that's the ep good ep back next week thanks for listening uh look martin keep playing us out your dirty STL derby. I'm like magic to Kareem, man. You tell me I ain't worthy. I ain't speaking about Georgia. I'm speaking about income. Did you hear that, Elizabeth? Here comes the big one. I put my money in your community. Need you got your budget. I want my ass with your advance to the toilet to flush it. My last dance be a stance of general custard. I hold up cause I can. I got cheese and mustard. I got the stats of a Hall of Famer and just two records. That's why I'm back up at the Super Bowl with Julius Peppers. I got that can't stop, won't stop in my veins. That's why they can't stop, won't stop screaming my name. Logan, Logan, go tell your friends, tell your friends, I'ma keep the same grin whether I lose or win. Up or down 10, I'ma fight to the end. Let's go, ain't no way they can stop me now. Logan comes my way, yeah. So the results are just hacking So there's three of us now, me, AI, and Shaq From the look to the eyes, I say Harbor Man With more heart than Hallmark on Valentine's Day I'm the one that you've been raving about My Ray Lewis, I think it's hard to go and change your route Cause you don't know if I'm listening Or if I'm sitting and reading Waiting on you to drug trip and drop back and throw up a pig, man Ain't no way they can know Ain't no way they can know It's hard work, pays off, then easy work is worthless. My work habit ain't no heaven, man. I do it on purpose. I push myself to the limits and my talents will surface. So now it's curtains and trades on anybody who hates disliking what I'm reciting, biting what I've been writing. I've been dog biting, scratching, and clawing on every hate. Trying to make you remember me like you remember the times. Cause I'm a warrior. My daddy was a soldier. I Vietnam been with a dirty thought. I told you. I'm supposed to rip up your town in Teriosis. Hitting like vultures, man. I'm young, white, and rich. As good as it gets. And giving your point guard fist. He thinks he's done seeing pressure, man. But he ain't seen. Shh. Ain't no way they can know. Ain't no way they can know. Ain't no way they can know. Champion. Me. Ain't no way they can stop me now. Look at cause I'm away.
Up, up, up with the sound of the bass. Too much pride in your 